This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture because tonight I want to start talking about God's role in the affairs of this life. God's role in the affairs of this life. And uh, I want you to go to Malachi chapter 3 or Malachi Chapter 3. <clears throat> you realize, of course, that when we say it's God's Word, we, we literally mean that. Um, this is God speaking to us. Whenever you pick up the Bible, this is God speaking to you. Amen. You do realize that. See, um, the danger in having only 24 hours a day and being an avid reader, is that too many Christians, I believe, read books telling us about the Bible instead of getting into the Word of God for yourself. And from there, examine what, what resources need to be uh, looked at by you in order to gain increased understanding, waiting before the Lord. Because the, don't let somebody else do your thinking for you. That's been the biggest problem that the church has had for hundreds of years. Other people have thought for us. Now, it's great God's provided for us, put into the body, people who will teach, people who will give direction, insights, and God anoints in order to accomplish that. God places a teaching anointing uh, upon people and gives them insight, not so that they can get elevated. We must, we must get away from this kind of thinking. Because remember this, I mean, you, what we've done as we've gone along, we've made idols of teachers and preachers. And that's wrong. That's wrong. He's not to be made an idol of. She's not to be made an idol of. Oh, I've got to. Oh, it's that time. Of, we've got to hear. Why? Well, it's that time. I, I believe in discipline, but by the same token, I want you to realize, I think that there is too little sitting on the part of an individual Christian, sitting before God with the Bible and reading for yourself and learning to let God speak to you. Amen. So we go along, we turn on the television, let her or him speak to us. And oh, that's great. Well, that is great. But that's not what God is looking for for you. Amen. And reading, isn't, reading the Word of God is not studying the Word of God. Amen. There is time in the Christian experience for two things. Number one, you've got to make time for study. So that you get to know the Word of God. The other thing you've got to do is you've got to feed your spirit man on the Word of God. And uh, unfortunately, and I'm going, to, I'm going to make the statement, there are too many people sitting in our training center who think that going through the training center is feeding the spirit man. It's not. It's not. The measure of feeding that takes place there is not what's going to get you through. Most students receive intellectually there. Sorry. Deposits are made in the spirit realm. But I want you to realize that those deposits are things that you have to go and you have to explore further at home. Further. Not, the, not regurgitate the information that you got. See? It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a starting point. Now, we, what we're doing there is we're establishing guidelines for people to grow by. And I, I, I want to tell you, I believe that 
Every born-again believer should be in that training center. That's my belief. I don't care how much you know. You'll find that you don't know a whole lot. That's right. You think you do. Sorry about that. It's not that we know more, but the dean does. No, 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 no. <laughs> She's vice president of Coconut Airways. Okay. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, we start seeing something of the character of God. Have you ever worked out why people don't trust God? Oh, you say, of course I trust. No, you don't trust God. You see, because if you trusted God, now we start getting into some things here. You might trust God to a degree. Why don't you trust Him all the way? Because you don't know Him. You see, when we take the Word of God and we read the Word of God, we discover that God says certain things about Himself, but we don't believe them, even though God said them. Have a look at verse 6. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. Now, I don't know how difficult that is to understand. I don't think it's difficult. And that means, I change not, means I change not. How readest thou? I, I don't know how, other, how many different ways you can twist that. But when God says, I am the Lord, which means, hey, there's nobody greater than me. Lord is number one. I change not. It means he doesn't change. Doesn't change. Will be the same to us today as he was back then. Doesn't change. Exactly the same in every way. I am the Lord, I change not. When we talk about being consistently consistent, there it is. Malachi 3.6, I change not. Doesn't make any difference what the economy in the United States is like. Doesn't make any difference what's happening in worldwide politics. Doesn't make any difference who's in the White House or who isn't in the White House. Let me just stop there for a minute. We're talking about the character of God. You see, uh, there is a strange sort of thinking that goes on because there isn't an appreciation for what God is talking about on the part of Christians. So they say, God raises up government, so we've got to honor the government. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's get some clear understanding. God does not raise up every government. Uh, let me speak on the side of the church over here. God does not raise up every government. God raises up government as a principle because God believes in structure and order. Without structure and order, you have anarchy. But it is men who put men in the White House. I mean, God turns to Israel. His natural people, if we want to see what God wants to do spiritually, we go back to the Old Testament and have the type and the foreshadowings and everything, and God says, check it out. And what happened back there in the Old Testament was Israel jumps around and says, hey, we want to have a king. God says, you don't need a king. They need a king. The nations out there need kings because they don't have me. They say, no, we want to be like them. And they badger God and hassle God, and God says, okay, give him a king. And Israel got what Israel asked for. And you can mark it on a calendar. From that time onwards, Israel did a nosedive. 
In their relationship with God, their ability to hear God, they did a nosedive because they made themselves just like the other nations. Now, God did not put whoever the, the incumbent is in the White House, did not put him there. When it says you pray, for the, you pray for the government, this is what you pray. God, save him! Amen. Because only then can they get godly wisdom. But don't go along and we, if people are out there wanting to pray and just bless the... What for? God doesn't bless that which is wrong. And I'm not just looking at the present incumbent. I'm, establish, I'm trying to establish a principle. And it applies across the board. In any country, in any situation, God does not raise up governments. You mean God raised Hitler? I don't think so. I do not think so. God raises up government because God believes in government. His government is to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives, in the church, and so on. And He is relying on us to bring godly government into society. We are to bring the change. And that's why you don't just get up there and vote because you like the guy or you don't like the guy. Well, let it hang over there. Thank you, John. I know I'll, I know I'll get a response over here. But uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, you mean to tell me God put this guy? No. No. Men put that go. You got what you asked for. And, and, and I'm not pointing fingers. No. I'm just saying, it doesn't matter whether they're good or bad. Men get what they've voted in. Okay? Now, I'm saying that because, you see, when we look at the character of God, and here's a definition of character. Character is the collective qualities and characteristics, especially mental and moral, that distinguish a person or a thing. Character is the, uh, are the collective qualities, or is the collective qualities or characteristics, especially mental or moral, that distinguish a person or a thing. And when God says, I am the Lord, I change not, He's saying, I'm head honcho, there's nobody above me. So when you come to me, you're coming to number one, the only person who knows everything and can provide you with everything, and I change not. I find that wonderfully reassuring. Now, go across to Titus. Right after the books of Timothy. Titus. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Here's another characteristic of God. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. So here's another characteristic of God. God cannot lie. That means He doesn't have the ability to lie. He does not have the ability to move away from the truth. So whenever I'm reading anything that God has said, or I'm hearing and I've learned to hear in my spirit what God is saying, God is not lying to me. Amen? Now I'm saying this because I want us to realize that there is coming a time where many of you are going to have to make choices. Yeah. 
And the choice primarily is going to be this. This is essentially what it's going to be. Do you really believe what the Word of God says? Do you really believe it? See, if I sit down and talk with you, you'll say, of course, Pastor, I believe that. I believe, do you really believe it? Because if you really believe it, then you pursue it. Then you follow that irrespective of what the circumstances are. Let me ask you a question. Why are you Christian? Don't answer. Just answer to yourself. Why are you Christian? Well, I love the Lord. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you do. I'm sure that you do too. And I'm not making light of that. But Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He's not talking ten commandments. Because the commandment that Jesus gave was to love one another as he loved us. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Because you've got so much theological insight. No, because you have love one for another. And a lot of people are not sure why they're born again. Why, why are you a Christian? Why do you follow Jesus? Now, this, you, you've got to come to a place. If you haven't already, you have to and you will come to a place where you are going to have to make the decision whether you really are a Christian or not. You are not a Christian because you're not a Muslim or a Hindu or a Jew. All right? You're a Christian because you've received Jesus as, listen, Lord and Savior of your life. Now, if He's Lord and Savior of my life, that means He's Lord, means again He's number one in my life. The circumstances of life are not number one. My wife is not number one. My family are not number one. Jesus is number one. My husband is not number one. My family is not number one. Jesus is number one. And therefore, I pursue my relationship with Jesus, and I seek to get that developed, and that pursuance and that development takes place by a personal decision. I am not a Christian because I'm afraid of dying and going to hell. I'm a Christian because I love God. I know what He has done for me. I have embraced it. And I'm doing the best that I can to be obedient and to live the way that He wants me to live so that He can flow His life through me to touch other people. That's why I'm a Christian. Because I love the Lord and I am going to serve Him. And serving Him means everything else, everything else is secondary. Otherwise, that takes His place in my life. And He's not number one. Therefore, He can't be Lord. Now, if I'm going to pursue and embrace this kind of lifestyle, living in a, in a garage does not make you a car. Being in attendance at the church all the time does not make you a Christian. 
This, uh, this meeting on Tuesday night and on Sunday is there to encourage us and to cause us to be excited about what God's doing and to be challenged and so we can have a look at ourselves and say, where do I need to change? But I want you to know, before all of this, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the resurrection and that power will work anywhere at any time. And I've got to learn how to move to that place where it's flowing through me. But I'm doing it not to get attention for myself. I'm doing this because I'm a believer. And a believer goes out there and lets the life of God flow through him. Are are we okay? So now while I'm walking out there, I do so in confidence because of scriptures like I've read tonight. Malachi 3.6 I am the Lord. I change not. So I don't care what goes on out there. If I'm being obedient to the word, I believe God is going to be faithful to watch over his word that he has spoken into my heart. But I've got to make sure that he has spoken it into my heart and it's real to me. A lot of Christians are out there trying to do things because they're on a works program, thinking God's expectation of them is to do that. And whilst that is God's expectation of his people to do it, you can't do it until it's real on the inside of you. Yeah, that's right. Amen. See? I mean, I, I don't, you can come with a thousand arguments and tell me that God does change. God's a respecter of persons. He's not. I was talking to a, a lady, I think yesterday, and uh, her mother has just been, uh, had just been killed in a car wreck. Uh, and and uh, she was saying, I've got a lot of questions. Well, I'm sure you have. But I want you to know that unless the Lord reveals the, the answers to you, you're not going to know what the answers are. See? Deuteronomy 29, 29. You don't have to turn there. You can make a note of it. It's a principle. The Word of God says that the hidden things, the, hidden, the things that, are, that you know nothing about, you might say, gee, I wonder what. I wonder why. And you'll have that all the days of your life because God is not going to reveal everything to you. The hidden things are for the Lord our God. But the things that have been revealed to us are for us and for our children's children. And just like Lorena was sharing, and we've got a responsibility to teach our kids. I want to tell you the greatest uh, heritage that, you, that, that you, can, you can leave your kids with is teaching them to walk by faith. Because they can go anywhere in this world, in any circumstance, and be victorious and prosper. It's not the money in the bank. They can go through that in, I promise you, six months. (laughs) Mine might be six days, but (laughs) I don't mean my kids. I mean the amount of money. (laughs) But the the point is this, that uh, uh, we have to understand. Why are you Christian? You're Christian because you're a nice person? You're Christian because you're morally upright? No, no. I'm a Christian because I made a decision. Now, this leads on to another thought. And some of this we're going to do on Sunday. But it leads on to another thought, and this is the thought. If I've made the decision to follow Jesus, it doesn't make any difference where I find myself. That decision is not going to change. That's right. Come on. 
You mean I'm going to change my decision to follow Jesus because some chick runs through naked? Come on. Am I getting real here? Huh? You mean I'm going to change my decision to follow Jesus because the temptation is that I can filch 2,000 bucks out of the company? I'm going to sell Jesus for 2,000 bucks? I'm going to change my decision to follow Jesus for that? That's probably not even going to be real enjoyable. And I mean, really, how long does it last? I mean... Come on, all right, okay, let's just leave that one there. But you understand what I'm saying? Come on, folks, where are we? You see, you can't shake me off my, my decision to follow Jesus. Why? Because it's real. I made the decision. I don't care. There's not enough money in this world. I mean, you know, Joan and I, when we came across God, bless him. But I mean, you know, there were people that came to us and we started the church. They wanted the system of checks and balances. Have you heard that? Oh, Lord. We want a system of checks and balances. Why? Well, he might run off with the money. What? Money? (laughs) I mean, Lord in heaven, what money? if it was a hundred thousand dollars what money you want me to sell out on God for how much how many zeros are going to follow that number you're going to lay down there still not enough zeros still not enough zeros see at at the end of the day I've got to live with myself before God I've got to live with myself before God Now, I follow Jesus because I made a decision. I know where I'm going. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing. I've developed fellowship and relationship with Him that, hey, I don't care what other people's experience is. It doesn't change what I know about God. I am the Lord. I change not. God who cannot lie. Now, that person will tell me Aunt Millie died and all that. I understand that. And I'm sorry Aunt Millie died. But I tell you, she could have been a saint like nobody else in this world except Jesus. And she still got it wrong if she died before her time because her life was taken from her, not by God. Sorry about that. And you can get mad. You can jump around. I I can show you from the Word of God. And it may not persuade you, but don't get mad because I'm going to teach that God says, with long life, I will bless you. And when He says that to me, I take that to mean me. And long life is not 46 years of age. Long life is not 75. And if I plan to live here longer, I'm going to stay here. And I know some of you are praying against that, but listen... (laughs) I'm going to be a long time. Get your grandparent, get your grandkids ready. When I walk down, you see, you see, you see that sprightly 105 year old over there? He's the guy that God used to start this. Now I know some of you think I'm making light of that. No. But I want to, I enjoy life too much. It's got its challenges, but I want you to know something. I don't plan to go home anytime soon. Why? This is a great world. And this is the only time I have to serve Jesus. Now that was my introduction. (laughs) All right. God deals with two kinds of people. 
in the world today, right from Abram's time. God deals with only two kinds of people. Those who are in blood covenant relationship with Him and those who aren't. And to the people who are not in blood covenant relationship with God, there is one thing that God hears from them. God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And God embraces them. That's the only thing. Sorry about that. People say, well, you know, I cried unto the Lord and He never heard me. It was like my prayers. My first question is, are you born again? When did you give your life to Jesus? Are you living for the Lord? See, God's not a genie that comes out of a bottle when you rub it. He's not here at our beck and call. But when he started, the other other kind of people that God deals with are covenant relationship people. And this is the book of my covenant. So when I go before the Lord, I go before on the basis of my covenant relationship in Jesus. And I stand there and I say, I bless you, Father. This is what you tell me. You cannot lie. I believe that. You've never lied to me yet. I want to thank you, Father, that you never change. Never change. You're always the same. Now, I might not have learned all the ways to plug into that and get into that flow, but I'm learning. I'm learning and it doesn't come overnight. When you tell me, Father, that I'm the head and not the tail, I believe that. You tell me that I'm blessed in the basket and in the store, I believe that. You tell me that whatever I set my hand to prospers, I believe that. Because I seek first the kingdom of God, and I love you, and I'm determined I'm going to serve you. I don't care what goes on round about me. See? Now God knows He's got a covenant child. And He can speak to me, and I'll change. I'll drop whatever needs to be dropped. I'll change whatever needs to be changed. I'll go wherever He wants me to go. That's not a problem to me. I don't need a big house. I don't need a nice car. They're nice to enjoy, but they don't have me. Come on. Why? They're temporary. They're not going to be the things that get me to heaven. They're not going to be the things that one day, when I, when, when I see him, he looks at me and he says, well done. Just two words. That's all. Just two words. Man, you'd give up your life for those two words. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yes. Two words. Well done. Well done. My Lord. You can't buy them. There's not enough money in this world to buy that. That's right. Well done. Now, let me just talk a little bit uh, about the people who are outside of covenant relationship with God. I've shared with you that the only thing I believe that God hears from them is, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. God still blesses. Blessings, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so they do get blessed. And do you know that people say, well, how come those people prosper? They're not even born again. There is a way to prosper outside of God just by being diligent and using good business acumen. There's a way to prosper. If you're diligent, the biggest problem with Christians, they're not diligent. They're not faithful. When I was in business, I used to shy clear of employing Christians. Well, brother, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian. You should embrace us. You must be mad. It's like you've got a plague. 
Because you want to come in on, the business, on, on business time and you want to testify and share Jesus all over the place and you think because you're a Christian and, and, and I'm employing you, that that gives you the right to do that. No, I'm employing you to do a job. And if you have a look at your job description, nothing there is mentioned about sharing Jesus on the job site. I want, I want eight hours of work out of you. I want blood, sweat, and tears. No, I'm serious. Come on. See, so we just want to sidle in. Well, I'm a Christian, you know, and uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Excuse me. I didn't co- I, Hey, I could praise God as well as you can, probably better. I don't need you to come into the job and stand there and praise the Lord. I don't need any help. I can do that. If I'm by myself in the middle of New York, I can praise God. And I don't need any help to do that. I didn't employ you for that. I employed you to work. And if you don't work and produce what I want, what I've employed you, I'm going to fire you. Now, you're still my friends here. <laughs> We've got to get away from one of these th- one of these little things that keeps running through because of our bad teaching in the past. It runs through all our thinking from time to time. Not mine because my mind's renewed, but it did at one time. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You're not. If you're born again, you're not an old sinner saved by grace. You are not an old sinner saved by grace. You were an old sinner. You got saved by grace. And now you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what you are. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You're righteous. Now, if you want a scripture, please, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Turn there. When I read this scripture for the first time, I said, I don't believe I'm reading this. Let me read this again. You see, if you are born again, you are not an old sinner. You were an old sinner. You met Jesus. You got saved by grace. And that transformation that took place has made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Have a look at verse 21. God made Jesus to be sin for us, even though He knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So when you get born again, you get into Christ. That's where I am positionally. I'm seated together with Him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. That's where I am, positionally. And God wants me to operate out of that position. But I've been made the righteousness. You're righteous. Say, I'm righteous. righteous. Your ears need to hear you say that again. See, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Don't come with this business about, oh, our righteousness is as filthy rags. You don't have any righteousness. Because anything that's filthy rags is not righteous. So we don't have of ourselves any righteousness. But why on earth would you try and have any righteousness of your own? When I can get His righteousness just by giving my life to Him and letting Him live His life through me. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Then the other thing that I want to just mention here is this. 
there's another th strange thought, and I, I heard it the other day from a platform in a church that we are all the children of God. We are not all the children of God. We are not all the children. God is not father to everybody. Those who have been born again have got the life of God on the inside of them and He is their heavenly father, but He is not father to those who are not yet born again. Well, uh, you say, is there some scripture that will help us understand that? Yeah. How about uh, Ephesians chapter, chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. We see some people want all of mankind. We're all the children of God. We are not all the children of God. We are not all the children of God. Ephesians chapter 2. And here Paul is writing to Christians. Now listen to what he says to Christians. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past, time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the what? The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our lifestyle in times past. And then he goes on and describes it. So he's writing to born-again believers and he's saying, that's where you were. But he's contrasting the born-again believer's life with what it was, so therefore it is different. So you can't all be the children of God. One group is the children of God, the other group can't be the children of God. And you become the child of God when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by faith receiving what He has done, entering into relationship with God, because that is primarily what the purpose of the cross was to, was to reconcile man to God and God to man, to bring the two together. And there was only one way to do it, and it was through the death of Jesus, and the resurrection confirmed it. Now anybody who puts their faith in Jesus has that relationship and they are now a child of God. But not everybody is a child of God because those who have not entered into that relationship are outside of God, they're outside of Christ, they're outside of covenant relationship. You understand? So we're not all the children of God. Ah, don't say, well, you know, there are some children that are in the kingdom and some children that are out rubbish. If you're in the kingdom, you're a child of God. If you're not, you're headed for hell. Yes. If you die and leave the scene, that's where you're going to go. Yes. Separated from God forever. Now, let's just press ahead. Let's just press ahead. Most Christians are ignorant of God's character. And the fact that they blame God for a whole variety of things proves it. Yes. See? The Lord gave me this cross to bear in life. So here the person is with a disease that's come down more likely than not through the generations. And here they are and, well, this is just my cross to bear. No, it's not your cross to bear. 
You can't suffer that much to impress God, let alone suffer for years. Your suffering for years is only because you're ignorant of the fact that Jesus died to set you free from that curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So now here I am, and, and we're blaming God. Well, you know, the Lord took that loved one. I have a real problem with that because that's, that, that's, that shows me a lot of ignorance on the part of Christians. I know we don't have any way to try and explain the supernatural. And when we're ignorant, and when I, by that, I don't mean that in a nasty way, when we're ignorant of what God has provided, and we have a calamity that comes upon us. I mean, even our insurance policies talk about an act of God. <laughs> See? So anything that's supernatural is an act of God. Well, if, if God is doing all the good things and God is doing all the bad things, let me ask you a question. What is the devil doing? He's unemployed. <laughs> Something's wrong. And God is not working in cahoots with the devil. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying because you will hear, in all probability, and I'm not prophesying this, but you will hear from time to time, standing on this platform, statements made that are going to bring your spirit into confusion if you just gobble up whatever anybody says. Not everybody who stands on this platform has as much revelation as I have. (laughs) Only a joke. Only a joke. I just thought I'd get some reaction. No, I want to... Let me rephrase that. What we have to... No, seriously. What we have to do is this. We've got to learn to be as wise as cows. A cow. You know, moo. Cow, cow, you know. Opposite to bull. We used to, we used to have a dairy farm... And, uh, and, and when you're feeding the cows, you, uh, when you want to milk them, you bring them in, and they have a trough, and they, you hook them in, and then you've got the system that you connect to them, and you start milking them while they're eating. But you find that amongst the straw and the hay, there, there are stalks. See? And cow doesn't eat the stalk. You, you, you can have a look when they've finished eating afterwards. You'll find all the stalks left there. Not one of them will eat it. No value in the store. You and I have got to learn to be as wise as a cow. Eat the straw, spit out the sticks. I mean, every person who stands here, there's a likelihood they're going to have a different slant on something. Okay? But what goes off in your spirit? Am I able to embrace it or am I not? Don't just swallow hook, line and sinker. Because you see... There are different emphases of teaching in the body of Christ. We place an emphasis on, 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 on faith and victory and overcoming. Other people might place an emphasis in another area and there's nothing wrong with that. That might be their calling. That's why we've got to have the fivefold ministry brought in. So when they're standing here, check out what is being said. Not with a view to criticizing, but with a view to determining what it is you can eat and what you can't eat. And don't get mad with them because there are things that you can't eat might be either... You don't agree with it because you know that it's, not, uh, it's contrary to what you've been taught. And you can check it out from the Word of God. Or it might be something that you're not just ready for yet. So I leave that on the back burner and I just trust God that when the time's right, He's going to bring that to my attention. I've done that with God a number of times. Yeah. See? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. 
But don't just embrace everything that comes off you because you'll end up in confusion. And I'm saying that to you because I believe that in the, in the decade that lies ahead, you will have people standing here who will go along, and some of their doctrines not going to be in line with what you believe. And that's okay. Different is not wrong. Just means that they're more ignorant than us. <laughs> Don't sell this tape to anybody outside of the partnership, all right? Please, you know. Okay, you want to mail it all over the place, all right. But you see, do you understand what I'm saying? You see, this is why when you're sitting here, you've got to get the witness. Hang on a minute, let me check that. Is that really the case? I'll tell you, I had a real problem. I grew up in a Baptist background with Plymouth Brethren teaching. And here all of a sudden I was confronted with, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous. You're mad. I can't be righteous. I mean, I'm so aware of my sin. I'm so aware of uh, of falling short all the time, coming short of the mark. I can't be righteous. I can't be righteous. Because my understanding of righteousness was not what the Word of God was teaching. But I had people standing on the platforms that I trusted. And they taught me what they felt and what they knew. They would have been blown away by, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so what, what you and I have got to learn to do is hear what the Word of God is being, hear what's being ministered. Bring your Bibles along. Check it out. Say, ah, oh, Lord. Well, that's a new thought. I need to go along and meditate further. That puts a responsibility on you. But that's the way that you grow. That's the way that you grow. Then you go along and you check it out and say, well, that's what I believe. You see, because you, you, you've got to know what you believe and you must be able to back it up from the Word of God. Now, I said we're going to finish at 9 and it's 9 and we'll pick it up there next week. We'll start there again. We bless you, Father, for your Word. Thank you, Father, that each one of us, as we take the Word and we take what you've shared with us tonight, we embrace the Word Thank you, Father, that we're able to discern spiritually what is of you and what isn't of you. And Lord, we're able to to walk in the word that you've ministered to us. We're able to eat straw and spit out sticks. We're able, Father, to, to recognize what we're able to handle and what we're not able to handle. We'll put aside until such time as we're able to handle it. So I want to thank you for a spirit of discernment that comes upon your people. Thank you, Father, that each one of us start experiencing a hunger to get into the things of God, to get into the Word of God, to start experiencing uh, for ourselves uh, the wonderful experience of having you speak to us and hear your voice. Oh, Father, we pray that each one of us will come to a place of development and growth in you where we'll be able to more fully interact with you spiritually. So we bless you for our time together tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen.